Welcome, welcome. I am so glad to have your company for this second episode of the Let Me Play Project podcast. Today's guest is none other than Colin Calderera, who is actually my financial counselor and advisor, and it's going to be a great episode, so stay tuned to check it out. This week was a pretty emotional week for me. I think part of the reason why my week was so emotionally driven was because at the top of the week on Sunday, which actually coincided with the release of the first episode of this podcast, I graduated from the Challenge Accepted Academy course that I had been taking for the past 30 days. To contextualize the course with the graduation ceremony does sound a little bit silly, I will admit, but it was actually really sweet and genuine and was about as intimate as it could be for a a whole host of strangers. Each of us was given time to be seen and to be heard and also to be celebrated and empowered. So it was really cool and I think it was sort of only right for me to have done that program. So as we said our last goodbyes to Challenge Accepted Academy as we know it, it was it was kind of sad in a good way, a happy sad to have that program be something of the past, you know, and not something in the present. But I think I both got what I needed to from the program and got a lot more than I expected. And my experience with it really was that of a a springboard to to launch myself into the air rather than just an external motivator to get myself started. So I'm taking that as a sign that I'm doing something right by expressing myself. And I'm just going to keep moving forward because I'm having fun. So part of this reworking of my lifestyle has a lot to do with physical training. There are so many physical activities and arts that I want to try and to learn about and build up my skill in. And in the Challenge Accepted Academy, I focused on several, but I had to reel back in the last week of it or so. And this week kind of proved to be more of the same, an extension of that. So my week was a little bit disorienting because I didn't have a, uh, I don't have my routine down. I don't have a strict schedule that I'm following and I might have to devote certain weeks to certain areas of fulfillment. Like this week, I wound up devoting a lot of time to socializing and building connections with people. So because I devoted a lot of time to socializing and also time to working on projects that will bring bring in some money for me. I didn't feel like I was able to devote time to the physical training that I would have liked to, to the extent that I would have liked to. But because I wasn't training something physical every day, I felt like I could feel my physical progress slipping away. And so I only trained Aikido and Irish dance this week. I'm hoping that going forward and after some of this kind of chaotic scheduling goes away and becomes more systematic perhaps, then I can incorporate all of the physical training that I would 
like to. Also, just the acts of training physically were an emotional thing for me this week. The first Aikido class I went to this week was really helpful because there were only a few people there and so we made it a a beginner class which was great because I felt like I had a really good understanding of what we were doing and that it was appropriate for my level but later in the week I went again and I was in my head a lot and I had a lot that I was thinking about so When the class started, I immediately recognized that it was going to be at a faster pace than the one at the beginning of the week, which was much more slow. And as the techniques were demonstrated to us, and as we got a chance to practice them, I felt like I I just wasn't understanding it. I just felt like I wasn't getting it. It was more of a mental block, I think, than... A physical one because I just felt like I felt like I was holding people back but that's the beautiful thing the art of Aikido or at least the dojo at which I'm training is makes it well known that beginners and everyone is always welcome at every session and the way that you get better is by learning from people who are more experienced than you and teaching to people who have less experience. But I think it's a really nourishing thing for me because I need to get out of my head and be more present and less hard on myself in those types of environments so that I can learn and I can feel confident in what I'm doing. Conversely, when I went to my Irish dance classes this morning, I was surprised. There have been several sessions that I've went to for Irish dance where I've surprised myself in my ability because I can see how much I've improved and how much more sense it's making to me. But I impressed myself today because one of the other students was teaching me the the stuff that they had learned and there was this really kind of tricky rhythm section in it and she showed it to me a few times and she was really patient with me and she walked me through it and I started to figure it out and not even by the end of the class but by like five to ten minutes later I was able to get it and I didn't do it up to speed with the music yet but I was just amazed that I was able to learn that because last year I was having such trouble with everything regarding hardshoe. And this year I'm I'm still having trouble, but I can see the improvement and I can see that it's making sense to me, which is great. So yeah, that was my week. Reflecting on it, I realized I did, I spent a lot of time on the companionship element. And I did a decent amount with the creativity and I'm doing a little bit with curiosity here, but I just really need to figure out how to make the best use of my time and allot it accordingly, which brings us to the word of the day, which is investment. Investment has been on my mind a lot lately because I've realized that now's the time for me to do it. 
As a concept, investment has always had this sort of gross, negative, forced connotation in my mind because I immediately feel all of this pressure that comes from a financial place. And finances, admittedly, are not a realm that I know anything about. I have an animalistic response to things that I don't quite understand, in which I... I'm confronted by something and then I freeze and then I do nothing because I don't know what to do. I don't immediately have the answer. But investments, because it wasn't formally taught to me as a financial concept, it was just a whole thing that I didn't know anything about. And I've never really been called to invest in the traditional ways, like in the stock market or anything. I know that it's foundational, but it's not something that is genuinely interesting to me. And when something isn't interesting to me and I'm not being tested on it or I don't need to like present about it or there's not something externally motivating that I need to challenge myself to do, then I just kind of ignore it and pretend like that world doesn't exist for as long as I can. But my perception of the word investment has started to open up and to change a little bit lately because I began to understand that investing can manifest in many different ways. It doesn't have to just be financial. So really, I think it's just whatever you put your time into because to me, time seems like the greatest resource. So from that sort of temporal perspective, you can invest financially. You can also invest socially or emotionally or spiritually. You can invest in tangible things. You can invest in experiences. You can invest in education. And my biggest breakthrough was that I could invest in myself. And so that little seed of thought sprouted and I started to think, what would investing in myself look like? How do I invest in myself to make myself someone I am proud of and enjoy being around? So I started to think about approaching investment in myself from, from a physical point from a mental point, and also from a spiritual or philosophical sort of esoteric point as well. And what I found and what I'm finding is that the things that I'm naturally compelled to do, even though they don't tr line up with a traditional lifestyle, they feel more authentic to me, and they make me feel better about myself. But what I'm trying to say is that I'm hopeful that if I spend time learning these things, practicing these things, devoting myself to these things, that opportunities for some or all of these endeavors will pop up later down the line. And I like that. That makes, that makes a more fun adventure. So in the spirit of investment, I knew that 
I needed to let Colin know about all of my positive chaos that was in the works for me ahead. So I scheduled a meeting with him at the top of the year and I was a little bit nervous going into it because it was he was really the first person that I kind of put all my cards on the table for. And I couldn't have asked for a more warm or welcoming response. So who better, I thought, to converse about investment with than my financial advisor. Going into our first consultation, I was admittedly very skeptical. I wasn't really sure what I was getting into. I didn't know Colin personally, and I didn't really know what the objective of the consultation was supposed to be because I didn't know anything about finances. And so I had this completely fallible uh, perception, not of Colin, but of, of, of just financial people in general, which is actually from Animal Crossing, the video game, in which there's this sleazy little otter who doesn't live in your Animal Crossing village, but he comes to visit the village every Saturday and he stands right by your house so that when you start the game, you open your door and this otter in this silly suit with these glasses and a briefcase like runs right up to you and <laughs> tries to get you to buy his insurance of which he has several types. And the insurance is expensive. Like I'm trying to pay off my house. And so this little otter guy is just an annoyance. He's such a pest and like a bully because he bullies you into buying the insurance. Like I'm getting so fired up talking about it because, <laughs> because you can't just like, once you start talking to him, you can't just leave really. He like goes and goes and goes and like basically encourages you or not encourages he forces you to buy his his stupid insurance and so you have to you have to like run away and not let him talk to you and it's just so annoying all of this is to say that my perception of financial counselors advisors insurance salesmen anything to do with finances and the people in charge of them came from Lyle, the insurance salesman from Animal Crossing, which is not a good perception to have. So I was really skeptical when I was going to meet Colin, but Colin was exactly the opposite. Colin is super kind-hearted, super welcoming, super warm, very funny, very gentle. He's a musician. He's uh, very curious. He is very well-rounded. Is just is very sociable. I only have positive things to say about Colin, and I'm so happy that that is the case. So I couldn't ask for a better friend to chat away about investments with than Colin. Thanks for listening and I'll see you on the other side.
Good morning, Colin. Good morning, Sarah. Thank you so much for inviting me into your home and sharing your space with me. Well, thanks so much for for having me, you know, get to be a part of your podcast series. Uh, Wonderful. Um, Well, and thanks also for uh, getting me out of bed this morning. I mean that with all sincerity. (laughs) (laughs) It's a rainy morning, so I I can understand that. It's uh, definitely one of those days that... Probably would feel better just to lay low and and kick it off that way. But I'm glad to yeah do all this with you and get to be with you this morning. Oh, wonderful! Yeah, it's it was definitely like a super cozy morning, but uh, and I'm not a morning person yeah. at all. So getting out of the bed in the morning is usually the hardest part of the day for me. <laughs> I can relate. I can relate, and Richard, my husband, can relate even more because he's always up after me. So. Oh, that's so funny. That's so funny. Um, but yeah, I'm super excited to to talk with you a little bit um, today uh, about about the word investment. It's exciting stuff, and and what a word to unpack. <laughs> what a word to unpack, indeed. So I figured we can just jump right in. So the first question I wanted to ask you is, why is investment, in any sense of the word, important? I mean, an investment can be so many different things, but I think it's important because it's what you are going to put your energy into as far as something that means a lot to you. So whatever you're investing, it doesn't have to just be with, you know, dollars or anything like that. But I think just the overarching term means a lot because it's what is most important to you. Right, right. It really speaks to the the essence of a person. I think so, yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's wonderful. So then how can someone determine whether or not something or someone is worth investing in? A person, yeah, personal investment. I mean, I what that comes to mind for me is you know, friendships and relationships and, you know, thinking about, you know, what are you getting out of the relationship just as much as what are you putting into the relationship? So in terms of that, I would say if if you were investing in someone that cancels on you all the time or is, you know, not as interested in hanging out with you for one reason or another and take it just from a friendship standpoint, maybe you are better off investing elsewhere or at least having a conversation about it or maybe trying to have a conversation about it if it's, uh, you know, if, if it comes to that. But uh, that's that's sort of where I jump to is, you know, you do want to invest in the right people and the right relationships because that's that's your team in life. That's who you want building you up and, and helping you out um, just as much as you want to help those people out. It right. goes big. It cuts both ways, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I definitely agree. There should be an, a more or less like equal give and, give and take um, with that. And I love that you mentioned uh, the team creation, yeah. the team building, because that's I think that's I think that's important for people to kind of have uh, a group to to cheer them on and to rally behind them and support yeah, them. Like and I, I think we all go through, you know, you can think back to middle school, high school, you know, college. If you if people went to college, you know, it's the relationships you form in all these different situations. You're probably not best friends with every single person that you have experienced in all those different time frames of your life. But you know, there are probably a couple here and there that have really stuck around and that you really appreciate. And 
that you really want to be close with and they want to be close with you. So you, you maintain the relationship. And so both of you are investing in each other in that way. Right. Right. Yeah. And those are oftentimes the the strongest ones where you get to see each other kind of grow and change and you're still there, totally. there for one another. So that's a really um, positive uh, outcome of yeah. those. So that's wonderful. Um, so you, when you think of investment, mostly uh, you probably go to the financial. I do, yeah. Part of your brain being a financial counselor and my financial <laughs> counselor, um, along with many, many other people. So I wanted to ask how and when did financial investment or financial literacy or any of it uh, really become important to you? So it's an interesting question. Um, my my father just made 40 years as a financial planner wow. in Louisiana. And growing up, I always knew what he did. I didn't really know about what he did. It, it was nothing that my brothers and I really concerned ourselves with. It was just kind of, oh, yeah, dad does that work. We we kind of didn't even know what it was. Yeah. Um, but I, I went to school for music education and taught for five years, loved teaching and loved the teaching aspect of teaching more than anything else. Um, taught at a number of different high schools, taught high school band. But yeah, I what I realized is throughout my life, it was always important to me from like a base standpoint. I, I realized, oh, okay, I knew some things here and there just that I picked up from my dad in conversations with him. Um, but moving into this as a career was a totally different ball game because there's tons of different things that can come up for people and yeah. you have to at least be aware of it to some degree. Um, so I think, make sure I answer your question. Um, <laughs> you were asking just when did that become important to me? I think really around 2015, 2016 when I transitioned into this career. Um, so relatively recently. Very much so, yeah. Wow. I, I was always... Very frugal, very big on saving, that sort right. of thing. Um, but I I think the value in it for me is helping people take the necessary steps to get where they want to go too. So that, I don't know, the importance factor really skyrocketed whenever I, I had some conversations with my dad and he was very supportive of me switching careers into something like this and never pushed me, never was, you know, as he said, you were always so hell-bent on music teaching, I never thought to have a conversation with you about this. Sure. Whatever you choose to do, of course, like, you know, right. go for it. Um, so, yeah, I, I would say relatively recently it was... Um, became important to me. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Well, it's wonderful that you had your dad to kind of uh, cheer you on and support you in that way. But also, too, I'm sure he's been a great resource for Absolutely. questions. For yeah. Him. And it's funny because he's not only been a great resource, but I also appreciate um, because he's in Louisiana doing his own thing. He when I started, I had a mentor in my office and I remember she was phenomenal and she still is. She actually is um, working in a different capacity now, but we still stay in touch. But I remember her giving me advice or telling me to do things a certain way. And I initially called my dad. I'm like, should it be this way? And what I appreciate most about him was he said, don't put me between you and your mentor. He goes, listen oh, to wow. her. She's going to steer you the right way. He said, if you start bringing me into this, he said, there are going to be contradictions just no matter what. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Because always there are going to be contradictions. And I, at the time, I was like, oh, my God, come on, Dad, help me out, you know, <laughs> tell me if this is right or not. And right. I so appreciate him because it allowed me just to completely 
take her on as a mentor and then beyond that compare it to other situations now of course she ended up being phenomenal so i was lucky in that sure. regard she wasn't having me do anything really crazy um yeah. no I, that foundation i'm forever thankful for but i'm really thankful that my dad allowed a mentor to mentor me and not to step in and say i know more than this person don't listen to anybody who tells you x y or z yeah um, there's certainly a time and place for that but this was I, I just respect him a lot for that because it could have gone a very different route. And I've seen situations where there's father sons in the same, you know, firm, stuff like that. And I, I don't know that it always goes that way. Sometimes it works out amazingly. Right. Got a guy in my office who he and his dad are very close. Um, but I've seen some other situations in other firms where it's not so much the case. Yeah, I'm sure it can be very uh, dynamic and a wide range of outcomes for a relationship or a business built built kind of on that foundational familial relationship. So yeah. that's great that he was able to both set that boundary for you and then also to challenge you to kind of figure it out on your own. Yeah, I mean, because otherwise it really would have been, why am I not just like working under my dad then? Yeah. No, and, and I... I'm so glad I, that it didn't pan out that way. And and he and I will still have candid conversations about sure. things. Um, sure. But usually it's much more now as um, as colleagues sharing ideas. And, and I think he wanted it that way so that it wasn't this, you listen to me, I'm going to tell you exactly what you need to do and don't do otherwise. Because that right. would have just driven me totally far away. Oh, and I, yeah. I would have quit, I'm sure. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there's less of uh, like a hierarchy or a power dynamic there. It's more Agreed. just equal plane, equal level. That's that's really wonderful. Yeah, and it's it's inspiring to me too to see him. He's 68 years old. He could have retired many years ago, but has no intention to yeah. because he enjoys what he does. And I think everybody wants something like that where you have that option down the road. You've done the work to get there, but you still enjoy what you're doing and you have that choice. Not everybody is in that position. You sort of create your own luck for that. So I, I respect the hell out of him for that, too. I hope I'm in that position when I'm in my 60s. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I think it speaks uh, a lot when people are able to just continue what they're doing or continue down the same path or even forge a different path when they get to those stages in their in their life when they really find something that that resonates and clicks with them. That's not only just a way to make money or further their exactly. finances, but just a way to uh, support themselves and be fulfilled in that way, but also to give well, back like you do. That, that happiness factor is probably bigger than anything else. I mean, people will say, oh, I want to make more money. I want to do this. I want to do that. But if you're not happy, that that's a ticking time bomb. Right. Right. Yeah, for sure. Uh, it's, a, <laughs> it's, it's a tightrope, I think. Yeah. Agreed. Agreed. <laughs> so... Uh, would you say that this uh, financial route that you've taken mm -hmm. has been more of a successful investment than the band teaching? So it's, it's an, that's a really interesting question. Um, I think it's tough to compare the two because yeah. I absolutely loved my teaching years. Um, and of course, it gave me mad respect for any teachers in that profession and everything absolutely. that they do. Um but gosh, this this investment in financial planning and everything, very tough in the beginning. Some of the hardest work I've ever had to do in those first couple of years. Um, yeah, I'm very happy with the investment I made there. And, and yeah, it's something I, I have no intention of ever leaving um, down the road, you know, and and. With with music teaching, I just always felt kind of a little bit like one foot in, one foot out. Um, oh, interesting. 
you know, and once again, loved the teaching aspect of it, but there were just so many other issues with with that situation that I, you know, I wanted a change and I'm glad I made that change Yeah, for my own personal just well-being. Oh, absolutely. Well, teachers uh, devote so much time and uh, their energy and their, their brains and, <laughs> and everything to supporting and, uh, you know, giving the students the best possible ex- learning experience. Agreed. And I, I will say the good ones really stick out. And yeah. the bad ones really stick out. Yeah. And, and if you're one of those that just hops in for a couple of years, then you know, you're not giving it all. And maybe that was me. Um, you know, I, you're probably doing students a disservice if you're sticking in that. I, I think for me, I remember hearing other veteran teachers saying, oh, only 18 more years till retirement. And I thought, wow. if I'm going to sit here and complain about that on a regular basis... You know, and I, I I definitely, I didn't have that in the back of my mind, but I thought, oh my gosh, it's such a miserable thought. Mm-hmm. Do something that makes you happy. You yeah. know, it, it, there's none of this like, oh, I'll take one for the team and put myself through this terrible situation that I don't necessarily want to be in. I mean, some people want to teach, other people don't. Some people do it for the benefits. It's just, you have to be happy doing it though. Right, right. In my opinion, at least. No, that's my opinion as well. And I've had a similar experiences just uh with my my gut instinct um sure. <clears throat> telling me uh I, I i guess i've kind of had like a a natural like clock telling me okay this is time to be in this situation and now we've grown out of this and now we need something else um and that's kind of been my my pace like my drum keeping sure. me keeping me afloat so i totally empathize with that and i think it's really wonderful that you kind of recognize that maybe you weren't putting uh, giving it your like truest, most authentic self and yeah. removed yourself. And and I can, I mean, looking back, it's easy to see that when I was in the thick of it, I think I thought, oh yeah, I'm all in, I'm doing that. Like, you know, almost telling yourself a lie over and over again, yeah. trying to make yourself believe it. Right, um, right, right. To where, yeah, you realize you're unhappy, but you don't want to identify why you're unhappy because, but I went to school for this. This is what I'm supposed to be doing. This is why I did this. And right. not necessarily, you know, and... Things change. Exactly. And and I'm glad they did because my, my life is so much better and much more fulfilling at this point because of that. Good. I'm so glad. I'm so glad to hear that. Um, yeah, you, you really glow and light up when, when you talk about, uh, <laughs> when you talk about, you know, just everything you have. Going I, I'll on. also say those years of teaching really informed and helped shape me into who I am, oh, with, from yeah. an, especially from an organizational standpoint. Um mm-hmm. In my work now, because one of the things you can easily get bogged down on is you're taking on more and more clients. Well, if you're not filing things away properly, I mean, there's so much regulation in that industry, too, where you have to do things a certain way. Well, that takes time, and some people don't want to take the time to do it. But from an organizational standpoint, um, I will pat myself on the back and say I'm one of the better ones. Yeah, well, marching band is no joke. I mean, I was in marching band all through high school. So I played flute, right? I did, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And um, I did color guard, too. And actually, I was... Actually, my senior year, I was the drum major. <laughs> there you go. Okay, I didn't realize you were a drum major. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, a whole whirlwind of things. Um, but no, I. It's no joke. It's a, it's a job for well, everybody. And, and I think for me, that was the biggest kicker. Um, it's why my last year I taught middle school because 
I needed a life outside of work and uh, teaching marching band, it takes up, you know, especially if you're in a competitive program, like I was teaching each afternoon, you have rehearsals, Friday night football games, Saturday, you have the competitions that you're taking the kids to. And then Sunday, you're cutting the grass to get the whole process (laughs) started over again for Monday. Right. Yeah. It just, that had a... That had an expiration date for me. That yeah. I just there's probably no way I would have ever gotten married or meet and you know met other people and created other relationships if I'd continued doing that. Oh yeah, no, it's not sustainable. You get burned out really quickly. The good thing about that schedule is that at least in my experience, it was very um, it was like sprinterly. Yeah. So it was all kind of in one. Totally, <laughs> and it was definitely fun. Yes. I mean, I yeah. I even being on both sides of that, having been a student that went through that, I always loved that. Having taught it, I mean, that was such a cool experience to see the kids go through that and everything too. It's just, right. whew, yeah, it's it's a lot to take on. Um, yeah, it's and a you lot. Factor in, I was like twenty one, twenty two, teaching oh that, and you've got kids who are eighteen, like yeah, it, barely older. You're than really that. having to set boundaries, and it's just strange being a few years older. I mean, these are people that are, you know in all of these different careers. And I mean, we're so close in age and it's just funny to think back, wow, I was doing that at that time. Right. 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 Yeah. I was doing a little reflecting on my, my middle school. And I remember my middle school band director. I always thought that she was, she she was a young director, but I thought that she was probably in her thirties or something. Cause I was like, super young. I was like 11. (laughs) And so I just, like, uh, always uh, really literally looked up to her, beca- both because I was shorter, but also because she was nice. <laughs> a little bit older and she was on a, a podium. But, um, yeah, she was only 21 or 22. I think 22, yeah. So, which was insane to me because when I was uh, that age, I, I can't imagine just taking on all of those responsibilities. Yeah. It definitely grows so you up quick. Like you leave college yeah. and then it's, oh my gosh, I'm, I'm an adult, I guess, you know? I guess. Yeah. And then having to navigate all of the the parents and remembering all the relationships. Oh, sure. and the well, I think that was another thing that tied over into this career was just we, you know, the band curriculum and everything, kids are choosing to do band. They're not forced into it. Right. So you have to make that fun. You have to make that entertaining. Um, you have to win over parents and kids. And, yeah. and if you're doing something wrong, you figure it out pretty quickly because your numbers collapse. And Right. So that right. I'm super glad to hear you had an amazing experience with your middle school director because yeah. that's not always the case. I've spoken to kids in, in my neighborhood. I'm friends with a, a ton of their parents around here. Um, but like just next to where the kid's a senior in high school. And I was like, did you ever do band or orchestra or anything? He's like, yeah, I played the cello or you know, something for a couple of years, but then I quit. And then I hear the same story about, you know, our friends down the road who have twin boys that are like 10 years old. And I'm sitting here going, gosh, it's just such a, it's such a sad thing when you hear, yeah, they're doing it for a year or two and then it filters out by high school because something's not happening there. And when you have an elective like that, you got to be good at it. Otherwise people are going to leave you, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's kind of another thing just from a practicing standpoint where you do kind of need to be not necessarily all in for it, but you do need to uh, invest a little bit of time. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Because if you want to get, I mean, it's just like any other skill, if you want to get better at it and also really understand it, um, then you have to 
put the effort in to really learn and appreciate. And it is it is learning a new language, many new languages sure. yeah. uh, with all the, the different like notations and oh, yeah. Yeah. clefs and everything. Yep. Uh, yep. <laughs> Transpositions. And uh-huh. This one's in the key of E flat. This one's in the key of B flat. Right. And understanding the relationship between those instruments. I mean, it's a whole world of stuff. It's a ton of fun. But yeah. yeah uh, <laughs> And I'm, I would never regret having taught. I should say that, you yeah. know, because I, otherwise I wouldn't be where I am now. Right, right, right. Well, that's a really, that's a great way to, to look at it as a foundational uh, sure. kind of detour, perhaps on your path. Um, so now that you've kind of settled into this financial path, sure. would you, what would you say most of your investments have been? Not necessarily financial, sure. but would you say that? Um, like most of them are kind of in that realm or would you say that you have more like skills or hobbies or people or I I would say what it opened up for me was I got to control my own schedule which was really nice as a business owner but also it what I got out of that was this was only my second year in Atlanta living here whenever I started that career so it opened up the opportunity for me to create tons of relationships around the city. Wonderful. Got closer with Richard. Ultimately, we got married. <clears throat> um, so I think it allowed for deeper, meaningful relationships with 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 lots of people. I right. mean, which I would not have had if I was. You know what? I'm going to take that back. I would have had them. It just would have been in a very different capacity. It would have been uh. inspiring students and being friendly with parents, but. I always was striving for something outside of that. In this career, I don't feel like I'm constantly aiming, oh, I need a life outside of this. Like the, mm-hmm. the lives do bleed over a good bit. But at the same time, I mean, there are lines to draw in the sand and everything. Sure, sure. Um, but yeah, I guess I think that answers your question. Yeah, and, uh, yeah absolutely. You've you got me thinking about a ton of stuff here. <laughs> <laughs> good. <laughs> I like to get the brain working. <laughs> No, that that's super uh, that's super enriching because um, a lot of uh, it, things are like relationships are fulfilling in different ways, right? You, for sure. Some people like to really compartmentalize, and they have this friend for this thing, or like this friend for another thing, Absolutely. or or some people have like uh, venue centric friends, so they have their work friends, their church friends, sure. their dance friends or whatever um so i like the dance friends sure everybody needs the dance friends i guess um (laughs) but yeah i i would imagine that in the financial kind of realm and you being a counselor and having kind of closer like intimate relationships with each of your clients that provides more of like a natural opportunity for something like a natural friendship to blossom whereas when you're teaching there's already kind of that dynamic built in there where you are the instructor and then the student is under you and you want to support them and this you'll is feel really rewarding. interesting because I was just telling a story yesterday um, about, you know, and to your point, like, yeah, I, I work with people in this capacity, but it's all adults. So right. you're able to form friendships out of that. With students, you're not wanting to make friends with <laughs> a 10th grader that you're teaching when you're 20 yeah. something. Yeah. And if you are, there's there's an even bigger problem there. But sure. um, <laughs> But what I will say is, you know, in that role... 
you are limited by the federal government by what you can discuss with students. And in this case, understandably so, because there's just so many things, you know, just like in my industry now, there are people that give that career a black eye and inappropriate things happen. And um, so because of that, um, I I remember having my, my third year of teaching, probably like seven or eight students come to me coming out the closet and you would think, oh, that's great because you're gay. You can have this conversation with them and help them. And I I think they might have even been a little upset, but they would understand after the fact what I would have to tell them was, I understand exactly why you're coming to me. I would love to, you know, be able to chat more about this, but you have to understand like the position that I'm in, it really, it blurs some lines and it kind of opens the door for some inappropriate conversations as much as people want to swoop in and help and things like that. There are guidance counselors for that. And I would tell them, this is the guidance counselor you want to speak to. And I would jokingly, you know, call the guidance counselor and I'd say, Hey, guess what? We got another one. I'm sending them your way right now. (laughs) But I would always let them know she will take care of you and you're going to be fine. But I had to really restrict conversations there because the last thing I would have wanted was for a parent to take that as an inappropriate conversation. Right. And you could see that spinning out in a way that would be, that would look like that, you know, if it's not handled properly. And I was not, you know, a licensed guidance counselor or anything. And I wasn't about to start acting like I was, which, you know, I I appreciated them comfortably coming to me, but um, yeah, it's just, it, whatever you had said made me think about, yeah, you've got to be careful because you can almost get too close to students and stuff like that. And it just opens the door for weird territory and you don't want that. Oh yeah. Um, So in this world, I don't have to worry about things like, or maybe I do, but you just, it's a different ball game, I guess. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You're dealing with adults. (laughs) Right. It seems like the stakes are a little bit lower and there's not necessarily a pressure on you to like force those relationships yeah and and going back to teaching band when you have marching band and all of that is your life because all of that is your life who are you around all the time yeah. you almost have to i think that is the drive for i need friends outside of this i need colleagues outside of this so that i'm i'm not just around teenagers all the time because yeah. if you are you start acting like them and if yeah. you're acting like them you're in a you know you're right, an right, instructor right. role like you said and it, yeah yeah got me just rattling off a bunch of things like <laughs> no that's wonderful yeah if you were still an instructor now they'd probably have you like tiktoking and <laughs> oh my gosh yeah <laughs> oh, lord yeah I, it's it's so weird to think yeah it's only been what i guess seven six seven years since i taught but so much has changed in that time oh yeah <laughs> as things tend to change quickly all the time they but, do yeah. they do wow well it sounds like you've done a wonderful job of kind of swinging back uh and rebalancing yourself uh with your with your concentration and investment in relationships and friendships sure. and kind of like going back and fleshing out or padding out those areas that you maybe that, not yeah. necessarily neglected but you weren't weren't able to focus on. Yeah, no. And, and that's where I go back to like, when I think about it, I'm much happier now because of the situation that I'm in, the things that I'm able to do now that I wasn't necessarily able to do before. Do I miss teaching music? Absolutely. That was always a ton of fun and one of my favorite things. But I I think that this is not a case where I'll never teach again. I, I mm-hmm. think there are so many opportunities for community groups to get involved with. And I've, yeah. I've even gone and played in some organizations uh, around here. I played uh, clarinet in the 
what is it, the Atlanta Philharmonic Orchestra for a couple of years. Oh, really? Um, wow. Yeah, and this was all, like, before COVID. I, yeah, I did that yeah. for a bit, and that was a ton of fun. Um, I just played for one of my best friend's weddings for, um, yeah, just on, on New Year's Eve, and that was great just to dust out the saxophone and get back into that and everything. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and you play the flute, too. Right? I do, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, no, I I'm, should bring my flute down here. We'll do some we could duets. do some duets. Yeah. <laughs> That's a ton of fun. Yeah, no, I've been wanting to. I I always really enjoyed playing, but I let I stopped uh, being excited, I guess, to play the flute in high school because I didn't feel like I was being challenged there enough. You go. Um, and also, there there there's always a lot of flute players. Sure. <laughs> there's there's so many, so I got tired of that kind of like clicky. Uh, Understandable. But, yeah, I always loved playing. So I um, and I I realized sadly that I've been not playing longer than I did play, and it so happens. it happens. <laughs> Time goes on. So what I you think would, I should bring it down. What's cool is like you would notice if you ever picked it up again and just like play, you would get it right back pretty quickly. Yeah, you'd be a little tired so. at first, but it would come back. Yeah, the embouchure. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Need some work. Need to do some some stretching and some. some strengthening exercises for sure but no that's and I think that's wonderful too like things that you uh, devote time and uh, energy to at any point in your life tend to be something that you can revisit in some capacity later down the road so like you were saying with your community groups or just like playing at friends events and things that's a great way to give to kind of tap into that again but also to like there's pl- the plenty of like the sweet uh, like elderly music teachers. Um, yeah. <laughs> that's kind of a trope that, that oh, keeps sure. coming up. So that's now, always one something. of one of my goals down the road is to, especially when I'm much further along in this career, um, and probably when I'm initially starting to pull back, I would love to start just a a community band of sorts, but. This would be something almost create a situation like a symphony orchestra. They've got a few around the country, like the Dallas Wind Symphony and a couple other things. But this would be like paying jobs for musicians, Yeah, you know, to start something like that, I think would be really fulfilling for me outside of this financial world um, as a way to give back, but also just to expose more people to band literature, because that's not played a whole lot. You hear symphony orchestras all the time. And I've always been passionate about band as a product of band, right? Yeah, of course. (laughs) So it would be really cool just to start a wind symphony, something like that. And and to get to conduct that as well would be really nice. Yeah. Well, that no, that would be amazing. And that would be a great way to be uh, creatively inspired and fulfilled, I think. It's always in the back of my mind. So at some point that will come to fruition down the road. Good. Well, I'm glad that it's it's back there because that means that you know, you're, you're thinking about it and you're noticing things maybe subconsciously, like you're connecting wires and things are happening. (laughs) Um, I've noticed that in myself too. So would you, do you think that being in terms of like, finances, would you say that being financially secure or having a lot of financial investments necessarily leads to a higher quality of life? So it's interesting. There have been studies that have been done. I think the the break point 
for happiness based on income ends up being around, and I can't remember the article or the study that was done, but it's around seventy or 80000 They say oh, interesting. once you hit that point, anything above that is nice, but it's just sort of, you know, of course, you have to factor in inflation year after year of and course. stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, but yeah. <laughs> at the time the study was done, it was seventy, eighty thousand. 80000 This is a recent thing, but I... It's an interesting thought because it makes me go back to you can have someone in a, you know, CEO position, but they're miserable. And then you could have someone in another job that doesn't pay as much, but gosh, they're happy. And you see these things happen all the time. People leave positions, do something more fulfilling, whether the dollar is there or not. I mean, as long as you're happy, that's huge. Certainly the dollars make a big difference in, in terms of being able to do things, assuming you're using them properly, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but it's, yeah, it's one of those tough questions because I think the go-to answer for so many people, and certainly not to get super political on this podcast, but this is where people say, oh, you know, everyone should get this or everyone should have this and everything. The idea there is that money makes you happy no matter what. And yeah, I mean, the, the idea behind it, the intention behind it is fantastic, but is that really going to solve the issue? I don't know. I mean, I, I, I would argue against it, but not argue against necessarily the, the um, how do I put this, like the, the good intentions and things like that behind those suggestions. Right, right, right. No, intention is, is uh, very important in any context. Where does the 70... 80,000 range come from? What were they pulling that from? I can't remember. And that's why, like, gosh, I wish I had sort of briefed myself on that for a question like this. But it was <laughs> something like anything above that, you're basically just, yeah, improving things here and there. Or, sure. You know, at, at some point, I guess you, may, you, you can make so much money that, yeah, I guess I'll get a jet. Now that I'm at this point, I'll be like, do you need a jet or do you want, you know, not necessarily. Do we need a jet? I don't know. <laughs> But at the same time, obviously, that's somebody's choice if they want to do that or not or anything. Um, It's just it's an interesting concept because I and and yeah, I'd have to look back and see where that came from. Um, But it I you know, you you just have to be happy doing whatever you're doing. Yeah. I, I mean, if I was happy with teaching, I don't think the dollar sign behind it would have been like, you know, making me completely miserable because they're. You know, teachers with the time that they have outside of school, whether it be summer, of course, if you're teaching marching band, maybe it's a different story. Yeah, right. (laughs) But, you know, if you've got your summers and other things, so many teachers um, can start small businesses off to the side. And really, that's an easy way to double dip. Another thing they'll do is max out their like 30 years in the public school teaching and that would put them retiring, you know, in their 50s. Yeah. So now they've got this pension. Healthcare is covered. I mean, they get so many benefits on the back end. You don't see them on the front end, but a lot mm-hmm. of people don't realize that. But what that allows you to do is if you wanted to continue working to, let's say, typical like 65 type thing, you could teach in the private sector and double dip. Right. Receive your pension. Teach there. I mean, it's really just sort of a slow growth thing that blossoms out if you game it right. Yeah. Um, and I've worked with some teachers that are doing just that. And so it's always fascinating to me to see the creativity that comes from, yeah, I mean, creating these situations. Yeah, it's a lot of strategizing, creativity, and and puzzle puzzle solving. Yeah, and, and all that to say, um, if you only sit there and complain about things and not do something about it that works in your best interest, 
you're never going to move anywhere. You know what I mean? And that's not to say that their complaints aren't valid. It's just a matter of you have options. You know, no one is forcing you to do that as your career. No one is forcing you. And, you know, uh, the market always decides what happens. I mean, if teachers were to finally, and I'm not encouraging them to do this, but (laughs) I feel like I'm just, but you know, if so many of them said, you know what, this isn't working out for me. I'm leaving this and I'm doing something else. Something is going to have to change, right? Yeah. Now I'm not saying, you know, oh, let's all just finally, you know, leave this and, you know, (laughs) upturn, but those things matter. And I think when, when you see more and more of that, that's when you see the changes in reaction to that, that'll come from it. But once again, the benefits on the back, I mean, there's some really nice things as a teacher that other people and other professions don't get. And yeah. it's phenomenal. I mean, if they understood it, but usually those things aren't explained very well at all. These are the things I end up explaining. Right, right, <laughs> and right. And once they realize it, they go, not so bad. I see what you mean. And <laughs> like certain states, they don't even have to pay into social security. I mean, there are all oh, these really? things where it's like, wow, I didn't realize what I was getting. Um, you know, but it's, I I hope I didn't go off too far on a tangent there, but no, these are all wonderful talking points and things that I don't, it's just a matter of understanding it in the best way possible. And then if you're looking to supplement your income, you have that option, right? Um, Right. you know, marching band bearing, of course, (laughs) you can be pretty busy if you're, but you also have choices there too. There are schools that aren't going to be as demanding for you to do that. And you can also have conversations with administration about, Perhaps, I mean, I don't know that compensation is really something that's ever negotiated because it's a federal or state position really at that point. But, um, you know, you can at least say, you know, I need a couple afternoons where I'm going to do my own thing. Kind of, you know, who knows? I don't know. I think it's up for discussion. Yeah, no, it's definitely a, a choose your own adventure type mm-hmm. situation. And I can, isn't all of life. Isn't <laughs> all of it. It should be. It yeah. should be. People, I think. I think a lot of people do have that approach, but I think some people unfortunately get stuck in the in the boxes and kind yeah. of in the motions. And it's and so much of it is in there. I could never do anything else in this negative yeah. self-talk that prevents them from even trying to do anything else. Right. Remember, I had some teachers that were very upset with me for leaving the profession. And I was like, why are they mad at me? And I realized because they're so unhappy with themselves and that. Right. And they would love to leave and try something else but you know and of course this was few and far between it was not every teacher or anything i don't want to go on record sounding like (laughs) um but it was it was interesting to me to see wow they're just really unhappy people and stepping out of that world i realized "Mm," you know then you've got the others that are just phenomenal and they're so happy with what they're doing and you know their lives and everything that they end up just, well, great. If that works better for you, they're much more supportive, you know? Yeah. yeah. You're always going to have negative people in every industry. Always. That's that's a consistent factor of life. Yeah. <laughs> well, no, that's, it's really interesting hearing about that study and then also... Uh, I have to find that, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And kind of uh, mentioning also to the uh, sort of like end of one career and from retirement and then uh, turning instead of just, you know, being completely lazy, the wanting to, you know, devote that new opened time to other things. I think that's natural. Sarah, I think another thing I'll say too is it's very easy to be doom and gloom about everything in our country. I mean, everybody does it well. Most YouTube channels, you know, highlight all the horrible things and there's so much negative, you know, talk about it. 
one thing that I think isn't talked about that I always look at as such a silver lining to everything is you'll you'll hear people um, complain about oh there are no more pensions there are no they're tough to sustain but what did pensions do they would lock people into a job that they hated right so that they would receive that on the back end. Um, so now it is on the employee, if they're working for a company, to save for themselves. They can pick and choose how much they want to save. Now, with that freedom and responsibility comes, oh, are you going to make it on the back end? And that's a choice they have to make. But what I would argue is it, no one is now locked into a job with, you know, these situations where if I don't stay 20, 30 years, I'm not going to get this pension. Right. You know, and because of that, you don't have to stay in a job that you're miserable and it allows you to move to other positions and people are always hiring. You can pivot easily to other jobs. Yeah. Um, and I mean, I think millennials and Gen Z do that better than anyone else. I work with people that are always changing positions and understandably so. Um, but that's what keeps things competitive. And just like when I'm going back to, I had to recruit band kids so that I had a program to teach. Mm -hmm. These employers are having to do the same thing. If they're not keeping their people happy, they're going to leave them. Right. And there's no more of this, well, you're not going to get your pension anymore. Well, yeah. no longer is there this overlord in those situations in so many cases that you, you sort of have the the market deciding, you know, hmm, is this going to flourish or not? Well, if you're not going to make it worth people's time to stay there and give them a happy work environment, they're not sticking around. Right, right, right. No, that definitely does seem to be a, a trend of which I am actually happy to to see because that's kind of always it's been fantastic. my mantra. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, just kind of like flitting to, to things and, you know, satisfying different, you know, taking on different projects and roles that satisfy different things for me. Or it that just are gives compelling. people choices. And yeah. that is good because then you're not oh my gosh, I can't do anything else. I'll never be right. able to leave this and I'm going to be miserable in this dead-end job. Not right. necessarily. Those days are long gone in a sense, I would say. Yeah, so that seems like a new non-traditional kind of trend, at least uh, in terms of economics and finances and kind of like the labor force. Uh, have there, what are your opinions on these kind of other non-traditional uh, financial kind of investment opportunities like the world of crypto or like the NFTs. Sure. Or... I mean, it all comes from innovation and everything. Um, yeah. I always laugh because in my industry, being so heavily regulated, people come to me all the time. What do you think about crypto? And it's yeah. always something I have to say, I can't really advise on it. It's not a regulated you know, industry. I mean, I'm sure at some point the government will find a way to infiltrate it and oversee it and everything. It's going to be very difficult for them, but it's sort of a, the wild frontier right now, right? That's exactly where my mind went. People are excited <laughs> about it. And um, yeah, I mean, it's just one of those things um, I always go back to. Just don't put all your eggs in one basket, right. you know? And right. if you do that, chances are you're going you're gonna to be all right. But if you, if you only focus on one thing, either it be one vehicle, one investment, something like that, it's much more like gambling at that point, you know, yeah. you could win a ton or you could lose it all. And, and right. by diversifying, it just helps from a generic standpoint. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so then what are some great ways that somebody can fi or invest financially in themselves? Yeah. So to invest in themselves, um, I think just taking the time. I mean, it's similar to what you said earlier. You sat and were just thinking about middle school and, and just viewing it from your perspective now, as opposed to at that time. 
Um, I would say the way people can invest for themselves is just to take time to think. Set time maybe each morning before you get into the emails and everything and just either set time to journal or to, you know, do some self-exploration because you want to find what makes you happy. And also figure out what you have control over because those are the only things you can tamper with or deal with. The things outside of your control... If you sit there and, and take all your time, and I'm acting like I never do these things and I've got it all figured <laughs> out. No, I'm, I'm totally human and completely flawed, but... Um, well, you're speaking from experience, I presume. Yeah, 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 totally. And I think if you just, you know, don't focus on the things you can't control and and don't sit there and just complain about them, um, focus on the things you can control and maybe those behaviors as opposed to the outcomes, I think it'll be... A much happier life for for most than than the alternative. I would think so. So, would you say that there's a uh, risk in investing or putting time, uh, effort, resources, any of that into things, people, experiences that you can't control? Is there risk? Oh, I think definitely risk because if you can't control it by investing all your time into it, what are you doing at that point? Yeah. You know, and it's not to say, I mean, there's a lot of things we have a lot more control over than we give ourselves credit for, too, right? Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, I would say um, by focusing on that, you're missing the point, right? And we all do it. It's just one of those things we have to kind of regroup and go, hold up. What what can I actually do in this situation? Like, you know, I think one of uh, the toughest examples is a family member or somebody who may be like an alcoholic or have like borderline personality disorder you can be angry with them all you want and just so upset with the fact that they're behaving this way. But if that's a clinical condition, they really don't have any control over or they're not choosing to get the help that they need and you want them to. Um, there's only so much you can do. You can always encourage them and try to help them or you may just have to separate yourself from them altogether, yeah. um, which is not easy. And I don't envy those positions. And I've definitely got friends and family members who are in those positions, but Thinking about it, you have to take care of yourself first. Right. Um, and it's not selfish to, and if it is, it's selfish in the right way, um, mm. to make sure that you're taking care of you before you're taking care of other people. Right. I guess it goes back to the whole, like, the airplane thing. Put your mask on first, then put it on your child. Yeah. It's not because you don't like your child. It's just you're a right. matter of you got to take care of yourself, you know? Yeah. No, that's that's so important. And I think that's it's it's hard to kind of grasp at first oh, because sure. uh, we're so taught to be like yeah oh, you have to give and that's wonderful but if you can't take care of your own situation first how can you help others truly you know? right and then too you can get caught in a cycle of wanting to help and wanting to be that kind of supporter uh but Sure. There's not any, um, in that situation, there's no, like, it's not guaranteed that anything's going to get better. So you might just be doing this for years and years and years. I mean, it could go back to, like, I think about previous dates I had or or people that I dated and everything where you're trying to almost fix them or help them or get them in a, you can't do that necessarily. Find somebody who is, you know willing to make those changes or willing to do those things on their own and, and, you know, willing to take you for what you are as well and, yeah. and try to make that work as opposed to, I'm going to meet this person and I'm going to fix this person. Right. Like, you can't go into it doing that because you'll always lose, you know? Right. No, that's, that's so true. Yeah. You kind of have to come from 
if not a place of positivity, a place of neutrality. Yeah, yeah, because nobody has control over other people, which is a beautiful thing and probably a frustrating thing for <laughs> certain folks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've actually had to to let go of my. I, I was never over controlling. I don't think, but sure. um, think as a Virgo, <laughs> I do like order <laughs> and uh, a bit of a bit of control. But I've been really trying to pay attention to, um, you know, just not harping on or stewing over, you know, things that, that are out of my control. Like if I submit to uh, a gig or a project, since all of my uh, sure. work is project-based um, and I don't get it, well, I can't control if that person's going to hire me or not for a specific project, but I can control if I submit to it. So yeah. focusing just on the things that I can do. I think it's such a healthy helpful. way to view it. Yeah. I mean, it, but I think there's also so much good to going through what, what it sounds like you and I have both been through to get where we are now. Yeah. Um, learning from our own mistakes because there's, there's no better teacher than that, you know, right. uh, you know, learning from the things that did not work and understanding why they didn't work instead of just. Oh, blaming. Oh, this is bad because that other person is so terrible. Well, they're yeah. probably, it is always a two-way street. And yeah. we can learn from our own behaviors just as much as we can learn, all right, I don't want to invest my time in that. Uh, right. You know, if that's going to make me feel bad and everything. So we have to circle back to your first question. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's so important because people can get stuck in uh, the negative like feedback loops of yeah. their thoughts and totally and I'm I am super guilty of it. I've gotten better over time, but I mean it's easy just to slam yourself. I mean perfectionists do this all the time and it's yeah. so unhealthy. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so would you say that there's there probably should be a degree of risk in most investments, I would think. I think there always is, no matter what. Yeah. And truth be told, everything has a cost. It's just a matter of what you're comfortable putting yourself into. Right. And everybody's risk tolerance is different. Yeah. To directly tie it back to my world, but in, in real life, too. I mean, it's just... Not that what I do is not real life, but you know, it's, uh, but just in day-to-day -day relationships and uh, yeah, <laughs> I mean, you, how much risk are you willing to take on, you know? I mean, yeah. 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 So would you say that in some cases or most cases, the degree of risk is proportionate to the amount of reward or failure necessarily? It, I mean, typically that's the, I think the easy answer is yes, but also, I mean, it's just understanding, uh, you, you might be disappointed with the outcome and you might be thrilled. And yeah. obviously the greater risk that you take on those two emotions are probably going to be heavily, you know, what's the word I'm looking for? It's increased, you know, right, your disappointment right. or your appreciation. Yeah. They're going to, the outcomes are going to be probably a lot more dramatic or polarizing. Agreed. Yeah. Yeah. No, that makes, that makes sense. Um, yeah. Cause like you said, if you, you know, go gambling and you put all of your money into it and then you win, then you've made all of that money back. But then if you lose it all, then you've lost it all. You're right. So. Exactly. <laughs> and you know, it's, what's funny too, just thinking about risk and reward. Um, so my my husband and I, as I've shared with you, are huge Star Trek fans. Yes. There is a fantastic episode um, <laughs> in Star Trek The Next Generation where the captain basically has the opportunity to go back in time through a, 
mystical being that appears here and there. Um, he has the opportunity to go back and change something in his past. He thought he was arrogant and cocky and a little too risky. He goes back and, you know, it's like, wow, I'm, I'm back in my sort of college years, you know, in Star Trek. And he plays it safe and does all the things that he wanted to do now that he behaves this way as an adult. You know, he goes back and does these things. And by making those changes, it fast forwards to the present day. Once again, he realizes he's not captain. He's like a junior grade officer and no one's really giving him the time of day. And he's wondering why. And the answer was, you decided to play it safe. You took on no risks. You didn't do anything that would have set you apart from others because you were so hell-bent on playing it safe. And it's such an interesting Hmm. idea because... um, it's just, you know, fascinating. The choices we make obviously build us up to who we are today um, and sort of thinking about what could have been, you know, if someone had stayed in this or or didn't do that and everything. Um, it's a fascinating thought. But what I love about that is just it's OK to make mistakes and it's OK to have done things in your past that maybe you're not proud of, assuming you learn from them and it makes you a better person now. Wow, that is a really compelling narrative because... At least from that perspective, the the risk and the, the the chance taking and you know opportunity hopping led could potentially lead to growth inevitably. Yeah. Uh, it just depends on the the like quickness, I guess. So if you yeah. uh, so by making all of those uh, choices, doing it the first way, he was able to get to to captain. Yeah. Um, relatively quickly, like you know appropriate period of time but by not taking the the risks probably could still get to captain right but it would take a lot longer that's exactly the you're labeling the episode correctly because he's even having conversations in this like alternate future right Uh where he's like how can i build my way up and they're like well you've never really shown anything that you know he's all the people that used to report to him are telling him like i don't think this is something you're really cut out for and so it's to your point like it would take so much longer because he's now having to undo what he's done for so long make these changes um you know but yeah just you're hitting the nail right on the head (laughs) (laughs) well no i love i love when there's uh, an opportunity for growth and that's kind of what I see in from that from that mindset, and also just the uh, the sen- uh, the sentiment of moving forward, like keep moving yeah. forward. And I think we can all look back and say, "Oh, I wish I hadn't done that, or I yeah. wish I hadn't said that." But there's so much to be taken from those experiences going forward that we just we take for granted because it's not talked about as much. You know? Yeah, yeah, for sure. And failure is essential for any sort of growth and it tends to be very rich with opportunities for learning it's just not fun when you're in the thick of it (laughs) it sure not (laughs) it sure not uh so then is is there any does investment exist without reward yeah it does and it comes from I go back to sort of the risk tolerance aspect of it. There can, well, it's an interesting question because yeah. then you could almost chalk it up to if there is no reward from it or you see it as a failure, Yeah, you would essentially learn from that in a later step. True, um, yeah. Yeah, 
Interesting question. Boy, this is like, you know, philosophical and very interesting. Um, well, I guess I was wondering also if there... I guess it's how you define reward. Yeah. yeah, it's how you define reward. And then also if people need that carrot to be like dangling in front of them to invest. Sure. Yeah. Some probably do and others probably don't. Yeah, yeah. I guess it just depends on the person. Right, right, right. It's a cool thought, though. Yeah, it's interesting. I think it um, kind of taps into different ways of of thinking. And uh, also, too, I think a lot of people are incentivized by kind of tangible things. Sure. Um, So, for example, if somebody wants to have a home, well, home, to me at least, is not necessarily a tangible place. It's more of a feeling or a sentiment uh, of feeling like, welcomed and supported and nurtured. Uh, But to most people, that means shelter or a house or a structure of some part point that they can, you know, be in and be safe in and have that sense of security. Or for relationships, um, relationships in general aren't uh, tangible things necessarily, but a lot of people choose to symbolize their relationship with gifts or if they get married with rings and things like that so i think the having something physical to be a representation can kind of manifest these more uh like intangible investment opportunities yeah and i think also it just if they're using that as a carrot, if you will, maybe for them, it makes it easier for them to reach those goals because they can actually see something that's not right. an invisible thought or feeling that they want to have down the road. They can chalk that up to what they're actually trying to achieve yeah. if it's not the physical item, right? So. Right, right, right. Yeah, that's so true. So what, this is a two-part question, cool. what have been some of your greatest investments, both that maybe haven't worked out the way that you wanted them to, and then some that have? Yeah, I would say ones that haven't worked out the way that I wanted for them to was the way that I, I mean, I would go back to band teaching. I was a finalist for a position for a school in town, very prestigious school. It was down to me and one other person in what was it, early 2016. And I thought, okay, if I get this, I'll do this. If I don't, I'll move into financial planning. I had already kind of gone through the interview interview process for that, but I was waiting on this other school and I thought, that's what I want to do. That's exactly where I want to be. And the other person got the job. And I remember thinking, like feeling crushed and thinking, oh my gosh, this is it. This is the end of the road. I'll never... And I look back on that now and say, thank goodness that happened because I'm so much happier doing what I'm doing now. Um, You know, and and yeah, there is a little bit of a, maybe a, whoa, what if I had done that? How long would I have stayed in that? Would I have been as happy as I am now? And I personally think I wouldn't be. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's definitely just one of those failures that it it didn't work out the way that I wanted for it to at the time. But gosh, I think I'm such a better person now. Another thing I would say is when I went to grad school for music ed, I really wanted to go out of state, try something new, because I had lived in Louisiana my whole life. Yeah. And I had applied to a couple of different places, got into one, didn't get into another, but the one that I got into would have been crazy expensive, and I would have taken out a crazy amount of student loans. 
ultimately one of my old professors at LSU came back to me and said, we've got a spot. If you're interested, you have teaching experience. We're able to offer you an assistantship. And so I ended up going there and I thought, oh, is it okay that I'm going back to the previous university where I went? Am I going to get new fulfilling experiences from there? Right. But my goodness, I'm so glad it worked out that way because I had a fantastic experience. I loved my time there in grad school and I didn't come out of pocket nearly as much as I would have had I moved out of state. So after that is when I moved here. I ultimately got what I wanted. It just was, you know, prolonged a couple of years. And from a financial standpoint, so much better for me that it worked out that way. So I'm, I'm very thankful that... I didn't get what I wanted those two points, you know, but I guess the, the one thing that I would say I invested in that has worked out really well is I guess not only the change in career, but also meeting Richard and yeah, just our marriage and everything. I'm, I'm so happy with him. I'm so happy to get to be with him. And yeah, I I can't really imagine myself with anyone else. (laughs) It's probably a good sign, right? Um, and, and yeah, I just, I'm forever thankful that I didn't just settle for somebody that came along that was, yeah, I guess this is okay. I'll make it work. No one should be settling in those cases for Mm -hmm. a, you know, marriage or long-term relationship or anything. um, Because I just think it's a real recipe for unhappiness. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Well, what are some things that you think about when you're making any sort of investment and what are some things that are rewarding to you out of an investment of any sort? Yeah. Um, what am I thinking about? I, I try to remind myself, you know, in the same vein as the last question, just that whatever ends up happening, I'll be able to handle it. You know, even if I don't believe it at that point in time, yeah, <laughs> I have to yeah. tell myself that. So I'm like, whatever ends up happening, I, I will make it work. You know. Well, you have to. That's the yeah. option. It's my my <laughs> grandmother always said the sun always comes up the it next does. day, and you know, and that that's kind of how we. I think I keep going, and I have to you know view things. Otherwise, I would allow myself just to get into total negative self thought and go crazy over things like that. Right. Um. And then your second question was... What's rewarding to you from a successful investment? I think what's rewarding to me is experiencing a challenge and overcoming that challenge, especially if at some point in it, I'm thinking, oh, I may not be able to make this. It's not really good. There's nothing more rewarding than that. I mean, that's I'm a big fan of (laughs) the Rocky movies, Mm -hmm. as ridiculous as some of them are. Um, But there's (laughs) always that point where he's like, Oh, he's trying so hard and it's totally a mind over matter situation when he's yeah. boxing whoever he's boxing at the end of the movie. Right. Of course, he always ends up winning, <laughs> you know. Um, but it's I, I always like that there's a challenge and there's something to overcome and then reaching that goal. I would feel very unfulfilled if I was in a, a job or a career where I just wasn't being challenged because there's nothing more boring than that. Yeah, no, I completely agree. And I, I love that sentiment about uh, Rocky, I think that's a great visualization. Everybody should have a staircase that they need to run up. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> My sister and I just did that actually over oh, the nice, summer. Nice. <laughs> oh, we went we went to Philadelphia with our family, so that's I awesome. made her do those stairs with me. <laughs> but um, wow, I think that this was a really enriching discussion. This was so much fun, and I really appreciate your your time and also your your presence and your thoughtful. Uh, So I wanted to ask, uh, 
a couple of closing questions. Please. Do you have any last uh, advice, financial or philosophical or just general advice for anybody? I would say from a financial standpoint, however young or old you are, if you can find you know a way to save for your future, a little bit will go a long way. Mm-hmm. Even if, you, you know, I think we jump into these all or nothing situations, but if we can just find little ways to build ourselves up, it's a lot less overwhelming than if we try to just throw a ton of money off to the side and then, okay, that's when retirement will happen. And that's whenever right. just systematically do it at a way that's comfortable for you at the time that you're that you're in, you know, I mean, because everybody's in a different situation. Um, as far as life advice goes, I, I think just, you, you know, especially thinking about the questions you've asked and the stuff we've talked about, just make sure you take care of yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, that is going to allow you to have better relationships with other people in the long run. Yeah, absolutely. Thank I think so, too. And have fun. It seems like it's a good thing that's important oh, yeah. to you. Hugely important. Yeah. Oh, well, that's beautiful. No use going through life unhappy if you can help it. And I think we can all help it to many degrees. That's what I think, too. Yeah. <laughs> I agree. <laughs> um, and do you have any resources that you would recommend to people, financial or otherwise? Resources, I mean, one of the greatest things and maybe one of the worst things about the time that we live in is we have access to the internet. We can research and Google anything. Um, So what's cool about that is you can find a lot about things way more easily than ever before, right? I mean, I'm sounding like we're in the 90s and the internet was just created, but... um, (laughs) The shiny new thing. Flip of the same token, take everything with a grain of salt. Right. Um, But, uh, you know, hard resources that come to mind right now... um, I, I am always a big fan of you know, creditkarma.com, that sort of thing. It's a, a free service um, that you're able to check your credit score if that's something you're interested in doing. Um, obviously, I'm not paid by creditkarma.com, anything like that. It's just an easy resource just to yeah. use if you're wanting to do that and not have hard pulls on your credit. It's just right. a way to be able to view those things. I right. tend to check it pretty often for different things I'm doing. and Yeah, just, just one of those things that... That comes to mind for me at the moment. Yeah, absolutely. No, that's great. Um, and then if you have any, um, like, uh, I don't know if you have a financial counselor Instagram or anything like that or <laughs> any places where people can follow you, but I would love to give you an opportunity to promote anything that you I have going that. on. Yeah, I will say, you know, my industry is heavily regulated so that you won't see me on billboards or anything like yeah, that. It's very yeah. tough. Um, I don't have like a, a financial planner page or anything. I mean, my personal Instagram is, I think it's at C Calderera one, C C A L D A R E R A one. It's a public page. I mean, it, but it's more just personal stuff, that sort of thing. Um, but LinkedIn is where you'll see me post, you know, financial things on there. Um, oh, it's the one of the only places that's just easy to do that sort of thing since it is so focused on business and, and right. that sort of thing. Right. Well, it is really nice to just kind of have all of those resources in one place. Yeah. Kind of like yeah. a digital library, so to speak. Yeah. I also, I will say, I mean, uh, the team that I work with and everything is Piedmont Wealth Partners and our website is PiedmontWealthPartners.com. So that's an easy way just to go scope out what we do and everything. Excellent. And is that restricted to people in the Atlanta, Georgia area? Not at all. No, no, no. 
all over the nation. Oh, great. Not international, but yeah. nationwide. Yeah, nationwide. We'll, we're able to work with and help them. <laughs> okay, great. So people can can check you guys out there. Yeah, I appreciate that. Yeah. <laughs> Wonderful. Well, thank you so much for chatting with me this morning. This yeah. was a ton of fun. I, I didn't really know what to expect, but this ended up being a, a great conversation. So I appreciate it. Oh, <laughs> good. Welcome back, everyone. That was Colin Calderera. And gosh, isn't he just such a delight? It was so nice to connect with Colin in a way that wasn't strictly financial. So I'm very grateful for that moment. And I'm so glad that I can share that moment with you all. I would encourage everyone to go seek some sort of financial counsel, whether it be through Colin and the Piedmont Wealth Group or through another friend or company, because I think having even the basics of financial literacy, which is really all I have, honestly, at the, and in this moment, um, I just see it as being something that's important in order to understand the world around you and the world that you live in. I can tell you, speaking from the bottom of the heart, that I had absolutely no idea what was going on in the world of finances. Uh, up until about two years ago or three years ago, and I still don't really have that great a grasp on it, but I can tell you that because of meeting Colin and because of doing some guided research on his behalf or that he encouraged, I am in a much better place and it's a lot less scary to think about. So it is a good rabbit hole to go down if you feel inclined. If you'd like to see a little bit more about Colin and also read a little bit more about my personal experience with investment of all sorts, you can head to the accompanying Substack article. And if you would like to keep up with the Let Me Play project, you can follow us at the Let Me Play project on Instagram and Facebook. Also, the Let Me Play Project world in Topia is open for any and all to explore. You can find the link to that on the link tree, which is in our Instagram and in our Facebook. If you do pop into the world, be sure to sign the guest book so we know that you stopped by. Okay, I think we've done it for this week. Our mission's accomplished. We'll see you next week with a new noun and a new friend. Live long and prosper, and thanks for playing.